I was doing some study, pastor, pray for our pastor. He's out of town, he's ministering to another church. I'm so thankful for a pastor that shares his gifts and callings, not just with our local community, but really kind of across the country. And uh, I'm thankful for the ministry God has given Pastor Josh. And um, I'm thankful to be with you um, here this morning. And uh, so we were praying and kind of doing some planning and all that. And um, we were talking about, man, what's, what's just a felt need? What's something that uh, scripture can really just speak into and lead us as believers this morning? And we began to wrestle with this idea of just taking the truth from Philippians, be anxious for nothing. And so this entire week, I've been praying and preparing and, and prepping my heart the month leading up to this service for this message. And I got a text from one of our deacons this last week and said, hey, I'll be praying that as you preach about anxiety, you're not anxious, <laughs> you know? And I said, yeah, thanks, appreciate that. You know, like tongue in cheek. And then last night, putting the, you know, fin finishing touches on, just there with my family, enjoying it. Saturday's our family day, spend some time with them. So last night, we're getting ready. We put our daughter down. Her name is Scotland. She's almost a year. She's 10 months old. And then we're getting ready to put my son down, Gatlin. He's almost three. And so we brush his teeth and I give him good wisdom. I tell him, we need to brush your teeth so your teeth don't fall out your head. That's what I always tell him. And so now he'll say back to me, three years old, he'll be like, son, why do we brush our teeth? So my teeth don't rot out my head. Yes, that's exactly right. So I help him. So brushing his teeth, put him down, gave him his, his water. He's got a little water bottle. He's drinking his water bottle. So he gets down, gets his water bottle. And as he does, man, his feet just slip out from, from under him. And his water bottle, it's like one of the, what's the popular water bottle look or whatever, the harder ones? Hydro flask, thank you. Yeah, it's like a little miniature hydro, hydro flask, which is cute until it smacks you in the face. And it smacked him in his, in his face and his canine tooth went into his lip and threw a little bit on the other side. And I'm like, be anxious for nothing. No, no, no. I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? And it's like bloody and it's like freaking out a little bit. And I'm like, ah, you know, and my wife comes in and she says two things. She says, what happened? And then she looks at me and says, what did you do? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh my goodness, and I've struggled with it a little bit. So I'm here to tell you this morning, as we talk about anxiety, here's what I'm gonna promise you. I am not a perfect example in this area. Matter of fact, my hope, my goal, as we study out this passage this morning is this, that we all could take a step back and say, Lord Jesus, will you help me to identify the areas where my heart is most likely to be tempted to be anxious? Can that be our prayer this morning as a church body, as we address this, as we look at this passage, Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four this morning. We'll read two verses and we'll do it for emphasis sake and then we'll, we'll work through this passage, this chapter, Philippians four. And Philippians is just a great book from the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church and a book of joy and a book of being joyful. And then he gets to the end and he gives them this charge, this challenge, and he says this, Philippians chapter four, verse six. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a powerful, wonderful, encouraging, and challenging truth this morning. And in a day and age when anxiety is on a historical rise, scripture calmly and almost casually reminds us to not be anxious about anything. Rather than seeing this truth as just a diagnosis or what's wrong this morning, in other words, my challenge is not, just don't be anxious. <laughs> Rather than just seeing the diagnosis, scripture actually offers us a prognosis, how to make it right, or a prescription, how to deal with anxiety. 
a path to living a life fully alive to God instead of arrested by anxiety. Because of the gospel, this is the prayer I hope everybody walks out with this morning. Because of the gospel, we all, I have the capacity to bravely die to our weaknesses and discover life on the other side of our assumptions, fears, and anxieties. As we walk through this passage this morning, I, I want to do it by making it personal for me. Um, a couple years ago, I had a friend that uh, still lives in Texas. I ministered there for seven years before God moved our family out here, and we're so thankful to be here. And um, I had a friend in Texas who called me and said, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my boys, I'm taking my sons and uh, another um, guy with us, and we're renting a sailboat in the British Virgin Islands. And we're gonna go down there and we're gonna sail and I've got an extra bed and here's what I wanna know. It's already rented, it's already paid for, it's already taken care of. Would you be interested in sailing with us? And so my answer was, uh, let me uh, check my calendar. Yes, I wanna go. Like, yes, that'd be awesome. Now this was 2019, he invited me to go down there and, and invited me on it and so we're like, awesome. We'll plan it for 2020. And then 2020 happened. So um, that didn't, my sailing trip did not happen in 2020. Um, so it got rescheduled for this year, for 2021. And in 2021, this last May, actually th this year, and if you work with me and any one of my ministries that, that I work with, our Kidopolis Kids Ministry or Ascent, our team ministry or Hillside, you know that I was gone for a couple weeks, kind of, kind of back to back. And that was one of the things that God allowed me to experience this year. And ministry had just been getting busier and, and, and um, exciting and, and fun. And I was so thankful for this. And, and in ministry, we spiritualize vacation and we call it sabbatical, okay? Um, but I was so excited for this break. And there's actually a good, truthful, biblical term there in taking a Sabbath, taking a rest, taking a break. I was so excited for it. I was looking forward to it. And so we went and did a couple of things, spent time with family. And um, it was a great just kind of landmark, you know, um, celebration like time to be able to break away and do this. And so we got on the plane and flew and flew down to the British Virgin Islands, stopped in Puerto Rico and then boarded this little like puddle jumper plane, like nine people in it. And we're flying like 2000 feet over all these islands. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm blessed, too, too blessed to be stressed. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I'm just going in. And so we landed and, and I'm like, this is so much fun. And because it's 2021 and 2020 happened, their, their welcome to us was to, you know, test us for COVID and all that. So they shove a Q-tip up my nose and like, hey, welcome to the country. You know what I mean? Like, and so they greet us and okay, I got to get tested and all that. And then we hang out on the boat for a little bit because they're like, hey, you got to hang out here for a little bit. So we did that, stayed in, in port kind of quarantine or whatever and made sure everything came back good. We were all clear. So finally we're out on the open water. Finally, we're ready to go. Finally, we're sailing and I could not believe, though my circumstances had changed, though my place in the world had changed, though my agenda had changed, my email was shut off, my phone was shut off, like I got texts from my family and I sent them texts and sent them pictures, but I could not believe how much my heart strained with anxious thoughts in a very non-anxious place. And God began to do a work in me and in my heart and in my life that realized that most often when I find myself being anxious, it's not just what's happening on the outside, but it's what's happening on the inside. And here in scripture, the apostle Paul does not just say, just don't be anxious, get over it. Like, yeah, just deal with your anxiety. He actually says, and I want us to focus and look at it with this attitude this morning. He actually says, when you're anxious, here's what to do. Be anxious for nothing, and here's how to work it out. I couldn't believe how exposed I felt in those few days that we sailed. And 
I remember sitting and watching the sunset. And I think we have a picture of it. I took this picture and I, I remember sitting there and we were, we were in a cove and we had moored and tied off to a mooring ball and all this stuff. And we had moored there and, and I'm sitting on the boat and I'm watching this sunset. And man, situations and circumstances and just, just the anxieties, the cares of life are just washing over me. And as I'm sitting there, I just remember thinking, and it's as if God, Jesus himself, leaned over and whispered these words afresh and anew into my life. Be anxious for nothing. As I watched the sunset, I thought about the power of the creator. I thought about his ability and his skill and his love for me and how it overcomes and overwhelms. And as I sat there and watched the waves of water lap up against our boat, I also let the waves of God's grace wash across my soul. And my goal for you here today is that you would, for just a few moments in the time we have together, let the waves of God's love and goodness and grace wash across the anxiousness of your heart. Maybe for you, it's not been sitting on a boat this year. That's a rarity for me. I've never had that happen before. Maybe for you, it's been after a phone call that your heart has felt anxious. Maybe for you, it's been in an uncomfortable conversation that immediately that anxiety crept up and felt like it was choking you. Maybe for you, it's been in the passing of a loved one. Maybe for you, it's been in the stress of losing a friendship or losing a relationship and someone who used to be there for you and used to understand you and used to get you, it just feels like you're a million miles apart now and you feel those anxious thoughts creep in. Maybe for you, it's as you've turned on the news and watched world events unfold around you, politics or racial tensions or the world humanitarian crisis going on across the globe right now. Maybe for you, it's been in the loss of a job recently or in the past year. Maybe for you, it's after getting a call <clears throat> from a doctor for you or for a loved one. Maybe for you, it's been after seeing the news of someone's moral failure who you used to look up to, and you just know you've had those moments, you have had those tensions of anxiety. Maybe it's just the workload or the stress of this life, and it all seems to be piling on, and you're wondering, what do I do with my anxious heart? Over the last 10 years, anxiety has steadily increased. Matter of fact, if you study it across the board from 2008 to 2018, so this study doesn't even include all that happened in the past two years. But in the last 10 years, anxiety has more than doubled. Specifically, it's almost ranked by age in younger people's lives and then going through to more mature people. Why is that? Why has this rapid increase among anxiety been uh, prevalent in the last 10 years? According to the National Institutes of Health, nearly one in three of all adolescents aged 13 to 18 will experience some type of anxiety disorder. What, what an incredible moment in history. And in this moment in history when anxiety, this world is becoming increasingly anxious, scripture speaks out to us, calls out to us and says, do not be anxious for anything. Amen. How can we respond to the clarion call of scripture as it calmly and encouragingly invites us to a life of not being anxious? Let's ask that question that we already previewed to us, God, where is my heart tempted to be anxious? The first hurdle we must cross and willing to identify and willing to address anxiety, number one, is we must be willing to admit, I have been anxious. God, there are moments, there are places, there are situations, there are circumstances in my life where I am anxious. 
And I think one of the reasons that we are afraid or that we miss this most vital step, we're like, no, 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 I'm good, I got this, I got this, is because we think that anxiety is the problem. Friend, this morning, scripture is pointing out to us, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it in a way that hopefully you can see this. Scripture is pointing out to us, anxiety is not the problem, anxiety is the warning label. <laughs> anxiety is the radio dial that's trying to tell you, warning, warning, something has is, is reaching out for control of your heart. Something is trying to dethrone the place that only God can sit in your heart and in your life. Something is telling you that it's wrong. Something is telling you that it's askew. How can we admit our anxiety? When popular TV show character Michael Scott found himself in financial trouble, his advisors told him simply to declare bankruptcy. So he walked in the, walked in the other room and with a grave look on his face shouted, I declare bankruptcy. And it didn't work, right? That's not how you do it. So if you're sitting here this morning, you think, okay, cool, Pastor Caleb. All right, I'll admit I'm anxious. I'm anxious. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not just saying, saying something out loud, although that is key to processing and working through that. But we're saying, how can I admit that I'm anxious? How can I process this? How can I work through these anxious thought hearts from, or, or these, these thoughts that I have in my heart? How can I process these things out from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room? We can admit our anxiety, number one, very simply under this. We must process it through prayer. Look at what scripture says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. See, I think here's what happened. We read this passage. Do, be anxious for nothing, but pray. And we read this passage as don't be anxious, just pray. But that's not what Paul's telling the church. What he's telling the church is when I'm anxious, I will process those anxious emotions through prayer. When anxiety sits in my heart and when it moves in and when I feel myself stressing out about that meeting or about that conversation or I don't know how to talk to this person and maybe it's not even a distant relationship, maybe I don't know how to approach this subject with my spouse and I begin to get anxious. What Paul is saying is when you feel anxiety creeping up on you, process in prayer. Take it to the one who can do anything and everything. Take it to the one who's all-powerful, omnipotent, cannot be moved. You see, the truth of the matter is anxiety is generated when we think we need something that we don't actually need. Or when we think we can make something happen that is out of our control. The greatest danger of anxiety is that it shrinks the gospel because it presents a false gospel, one of relying on self instead of relying on Jesus. So if it's an inward anxiety, what you're telling yourself is, oh man, I'm so anxious about this. And if I just work really hard, then this will be fixed. And the problem with that is that's not the gospel. The gospel is you can't work hard enough to be saved. Jesus is the one who did all the work and now you're saved. So in life, I've got a message for you. You can't work hard enough to overcome your anxiety. You gotta step back and say, Jesus, I need your help with this. Can you help me process this? Lord, I'm coming to you. Will you help me work through this? I can't of my own accord. I can't do this. Will you help me? Process in prayer. Maybe it's not an inward anxiety. Maybe it's not an internal, it's an external anxiety. Maybe it's someone else. And man, you're struggling with this relationship or with this person or with this former friendship or whatever it is. And you're like, well, if they would just, if I could just get them to see, if they would just do this, one author calls it an anger fantasy. It's when you're driving home after having an altercation at work or after talking with a friend and you're like, you know what I should have told them? Oh, I should have told them this. That would have set them right. It's when you wake up in the morning and be like, I know what I should have said. If I'd have said that, they would have been like, you're right. You are all powerful and all knowing. And I am so sorry that I ever offended you. It's called an anger fantasy. And in your mind, you're like, if I could just get them to see. 
And what your brain is doing is saying, you're the answer, not Jesus. And the danger in not processing through prayer is you become so focused on how can I do this? How can I get through this? And it's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is I am undone without Christ. Friend, is your heart anxious this morning about a relationship, about a work meeting, about a financial situation? What makes your heart anxious? And by the way, what happens is instead of processing through prayer, earlier in this passage, he went and he said, Paul's talking to the church, and he says, therefore, my beloved, long for brethren, Philippians 4, 1, verse 2, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. He's about to talk to them about what makes you anxious, and he says, by the way, this person and this person, y'all have a problem with each other, and y'all need to get on the same page, Amen. Right? What, what, what's he saying is what often makes our heart anxious is those situations, those people that we can't control. And so what we do instead of going to prayer, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer, make your request be made known to God. What he's saying is stop going around to everyone else and telling your problems to everyone else. Take it to Jesus. <laughs> Take it to Jesus first and foremost. He's saying, hey, don't fall into the trap of gossip. Here's what gossip is. Gossip is, I got a problem with you, and so I'm gonna go tell someone else, and we're gonna have a problem with you. And then they're gonna tell someone else, and they're gonna have a problem with you, and then it's us versus you. Beat downtown. Here we go, right? You're like, let's go. He's got the chair. You know what I mean? Whatever. Like, you're like, you're ready to go on them. That's gossip. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes we spiritualize it. It's not gossip. What we do is we say, I need counsel. Will you counsel me? I don't know. Now, now I'm going to back up and I'm going to talk about the power of counsel and I'm, I'm going to give an addendum here. But sometimes what we do is because we're anxious, we don't go to Jesus in prayer. We go to someone else and we say, okay, I'm anxious about this situation. I don't want you to think I'm gossiping about this person, place, or thing. It doesn't even have to be a person. It could be anything. Anxious about my job. I'm anxious about this. Can we just get on the same page? And what we're doing is we're offloading our anxiety, our baggage, and handing it to them and saying, will you just carry this for me? And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll carry it for you. I'm here for you. And we're so tempted to disguise it as gossip or disguise it as counsel that we miss the opportunity to take it to the king of kings and say, I've got this problem. Will you help my heart with it? Now, let me give the addendum when it comes to counsel. What we're talking about this morning is general anxiety. We're not talking about chronic anxiety. Chronic anxiety is when, hey, I don't know how to get out of this problem, and my brain literally cannot get out of this rut, cannot get out of this rhythm, cannot get out of this pathway that my brain has developed. If you're in here this morning, you're like, man, it's been years, and it, all this stuff, and I'm struggling, and I cannot get out of this rhythm, then let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. We work with several wonderful counseling centers here at our church and several wonderful Christians that have studied this and they know how your brain works and they can help you retrain your brain. They're called professional counselors or sometimes they're called therapists. And that's not a bad word in church because Christian-based counseling, Christian-based therapy, they're literally there to say, hey, let me help you do this as a third party. Let me help instruct you and let me help grow you and let me help train you. So if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I've tried, Pastor Kevin, I've tried and I've tried, then my encouragement to you would be call somewhere like Renewing Life Center or call somewhere like, like uh, Lake Mead um, Christian Counseling Center. Call somewhere like that and get connected with them and say, okay, this is where I can go. I need some specific help in that. So we're tempted to move the mark. We're tempted to say, no, I'm not gonna process through prayer. How do I admit my anxiety? I process through prayer. Look at what John Bunyan said. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray 
until you prayed. So here's my question for you this morning. Whatever thought came into your mind when I asked you, what, what are you tempted to be anxious in your heart about? Have you prayed about it? Have you taken it to Jesus? Abraham Lincoln said this, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. John Mark Comer says in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. How true it is that if we're to walk with Jesus in prayer, then we must walk at a slow, unhurried pace. Sometimes our hearts are so anxious because we think, I don't have time to pray. But the reverse is true. If our hearts are anxious, then we must make time to cast our care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. If it's true that I admit my anxiety by processing it through prayer, then it's equally true. Scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. If I must process it through prayer, then I also must, number two, bathe it in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a valuable tool that reframes the way we view our situations and our circumstances. A couple months ago, I was running, leaving my house, getting ready, going to work, going to a meeting, and I was running a little bit late, like I know none of you do. Um, and I was running a little bit late, and so I got my coffee, and I'm like running out the door, and I get in my truck, and I go to turn it on, and it goes, click. I'm like, oh no, wait a minute, process in prayer. Dear Jesus, help my truck to start right now. <laughs> click, and it doesn't start. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So pull my car around, jump start the truck, text a few people, I'm running late from a meeting now, you know, hey, I'm not gonna make this, whatever. Now I've got an appointment at AutoZone, call the guy at AutoZone, I'm like, hey, I've got this truck, do you guys have a battery for it? He's like, yep, we got a battery for it. I'm like, okay, cool. You know how everything just frustrates you when you're anxious in the moment, you know what I mean? I'm like, Fine, I'll tell him the battery when I get, you know, hang, hang up the phone, driving down the road. It's on a Christian music station. I don't want to listen to Christian music. You know what I mean? Like frustrated, like, you know what I mean? I'm just being real here this morning. You know what I mean? I'm like driving around. I'm like, okay, all right. Pull in, get to the auto zone, walk in. The guy's actually super nice. I'm like, yeah, fine. I won't, you know, whatever. Yeah. Hey, I got to, you know, can we test it? Okay. Yeah, we'll test it. Yep. Looks like your battery's dead. Okay. Figures, you know, how much is this going to cost me? Walk in. He goes, let me look up your account. Looks up my account, pulls up the phone number and he goes, you know what? I'm like, great, lay it on me. And he says, you know what, Mr. Sergeant? It looks like um, you are actually, oh, wow. It looks like you're actually two days away from your warranty expiring. So that actually means you get a free battery today. And I'm like, God is good. <laughs> Jesus takes care of everything. You know what I mean? Like go out in the truck, like, boom, you know what I mean? Like driving down the road, Christian gospel, here we go, station. Like, I love Jesus, show up to church, my next meeting, like, hey, isn't God good, brother and sister? You know what I mean? Like, now I'm all spiritual, all, but here's the reality. You've been there. You're laughing because you know there are moments, there are circumstances where your heart becomes so anxious that what spills out is not the Christianity we claim. You're like, man, I'm frustrated, I'm stressed, what do I do? Number one, I make sure that I process it in prayer. Number two, I bathe it in thanksgiving. Matthew Henry said this, upon being robbed, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although the thieves took my all, it was not much. Amen. And third, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. 
man, what a powerful truth and what a powerful tool Thanksgiving is to help us reframe our thought process and our world because we're so tempted to look at the world and be like, ah, man, this is going wrong and this is going wrong and this is going wrong. And what we're doing is we're abdicating the throne of our heart to ourselves or to someone else who's in a situation or who leaves us and abandons us. And we're looking at this and we're like, man, I'm just stressed out, I'm anxious. And Jesus says, hey, if you'll just invite me back to sit on the throne of your heart, if you'll just be thankful to me, and if you'll just pray and process this through prayer, I promise you, we can walk through this together. If it's true, church, Christians, that we must admit our anxiety, then once we've learned that when we're anxious, we must process it through prayer, we're free to move on to, number two, embracing our peace. Number one, admit your anxiety. Number two, embrace your peace. Look at how the chapter continues, Philippians 4, 7 through 9. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Now watch this because the apostle Paul does a switcher group. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Wait a minute, verse seven. I thought he was saying that I want the peace of God. Here's the truth, you ready for it? You do not get the peace of God until you have the God of peace. You do not get the Jesus that walks on water until you call out to him and say, will you walk on the water? Will you walk on the storm of my life? You do not get the answer until you pray the prayer. And listen, that's not a, hey, I'm gonna work myself, I'm gonna work harder, oh, if I pray. Jesus is always watching. Jesus is always uh, leaning in. But there's a passage when Jesus is walking on water and the disciples are rowing, it's in the book of Mark, where it says that as he's walking toward them, you look it up later, I promise it's there. It says that as he's walking, it says he would have walked by them. And then the next verse says, but they cried out. I wonder how many times we miss the miracle of Jesus walking on the water of our life because we forget to cry out and say, hey, before I get the peace of God, I need the God of peace. I need Jesus to step in and do something big that only he can do. It's promising and it's on purpose how the wording goes in this passage. It's inspired, it's from the Holy Spirit, from the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church that they need the person of God in order to get the peace of God. Look at what anxiety does. Steve Cuss says in his book, Managing Leadership Anxiety, anxiety blocks our awareness of God because it takes our subconscious attention. This means that anxiety can be an early detection system that we're depending on something other than God for our well-being. Ouch, right? Because as a Christian, how true is that? That when I find myself being anxious, not that anxiety is the problem, it's the warning signal. And if I'll allow God to use anxiety in my life to point me back to him, then the warning signal is not a bad thing. I can't get mad at it. It's a good thing. It's like the little light on your car called the check engine light that you have a love-hate relationship with. Because when it comes on, you're like, ah, that light, maybe I can pull a fuse and turn the light off. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're frustrated at the light but the light is just saying there's something else going on underneath the hood that needs attention. Christian, this morning, if you find your heart being anxious, it's your warning, it's your check engine light that says something's going on underneath the hood. Somewhere I'm trusting in something other than Jesus. Somewhere I believe if I 
manipulate and power my way through this, that it will be okay, be all okay instead of stepping back and saying, God, I can't do it on my own. Because that's the gospel. I can't do this on my own. I need you to do it. Steve Cuss goes on to say, the goal of managing anxiety is not simply for relief. It is to connect more fully with God and to raise awareness of what God is doing. The goal of working through anxiety in my life is not to get rid of all the anxiousness, get rid of all the anxiety, get rid of all the struggle. It's to say that when I go through this, God will go with me. When I go through this, I can rely on him. When I'm struggling, when I'm strained, when I'm stressed, God is an ever-present help in time of need. Look at the words of Jesus from John 16, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, <laughs> but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Christian, I wish we could just turn a light switch and fix all the problems in this world, but it will not happen. This world is broken by sin, but we know the remedy. This world is broken and it will not be fixed yet, but there is a Jesus who fixes broken things. There is a Jesus who brings beauty from ashes. And I don't know where the brokenness, I don't know where the ashes are in your life this morning, but I know this, Jesus promises that as you walk through the anxiety, the anxious thoughts, the stressed out parts of life, he will walk with you. Psalm 4.8 says, I will both lie down in, in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Isaiah, the prophet, echoes that in verse 32, 17 through 18. The work of the righteous will be peace. And the effect of the righteous, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Here's a great litmus test for us. Here's a great... Uh, um, verse to throw our life upon and say, is this true about me? Or am I, is my home, is it a place where anxiety rules and not Jesus? Is it a place where stress rules and not the Savior? I'll tell you a quick two stories and then, and then we're done. Two quick stories. The young man that was in my ministry um, when, when my wife and I were serving in Texas and um, his name is Noah, and Noah and I have stayed connected and, and um, just through, through the years, and Noah graduated high school, and then Noah went to college, and Noah was stressed out a little bit through college and, and wasn't sure exactly what his major was going to be, switched a couple times, just wanted to follow God's will for his life, but just didn't know for sure how God was calling him and what he was calling him to. So finally he switches and he becomes this media major and that's a big part of, of churches. We wanna show the world, invite him in and say, hey, God is real and God is good. Um, you know, in, invite him into it. And so he started, he started going through, he graduated. And let me read you Noah's words. Towards the end of my senior year of college, I had a job lined up in North Carolina and felt like my life seemed to be coming together. A week after gra graduation, that job fell through and I was left with no job and a lot of anxious thoughts. My whole summer was spent applying to job after job, and after about 40 applications, absolutely nothing. I remember constantly praying for God to provide a job, but nothing turned up. I felt discouraged, I felt anxious, I felt frustrated. Towards the end of the summer, I got a random email for an interview for basically my dream job. I didn't think it would amount to anything since there were so many people applying for the job, but I went for it anyway. I had the interview, and then one after another, they invited me to another interview. Then I was invited down to visit the church and during that visit was offered the job. After three months of discouragement and anxious thoughts, I just accepted my dream job. For those of you who work with our Hillside group and all that, it's a ministry that we followed, Watermark Church and The Porch. 
That's where Noah's accepted his job, serving God through media and being able to do it. He said this, this is far greater than anything I could have prayed for, and God has shown himself to be 100% faithful. Just this last week, I counseled one of our young adults after our hillside talk. We sat there Friday night. We meet over the Green Valley campus. She told me how just this week she lost her job. Boss came and said, hey, look, it's done. And she gave this statement to me. She said, you know, three months ago, if I'd have been told that, I would have been freaking out. She said, now I realize that my identity is not in a job. It's in the gospel. I have this really strange, wonderful peace that God is in control and I am his. Christian, this morning, because of the gospel, we all have the capacity to bravely die to our weaknesses and discover life on the other side of our assumptions, fears, and anxieties. This morning, can I invite you, will you cast all your care upon him for he careth for you? This week, when the anxious thoughts creep into your mind, will you admit it by taking it to the only one who can do something about it, processing through prayer, bathing it in thanksgiving? Then, as you spend time praying, you'll end up echoing the words that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, not my will, but thine be done. And what you'll find is the situations that used to make you freak out just don't hold the same power over you anymore because you've decided to be anxious for nothing. Let's pray and ask Jesus to do that work in our hearts that only he can do. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your words from scripture. We thank you for the challenge from scripture. And here's what I know. I know that for many of us in just a a, a one hour program, a 30 minute sermon this morning, I know that we're just scratching the surface of the anxiousness that's been layered on week after week, month after month, year after year. God, I'm praying that you would do the work that only you can do in the hearts and lives of these, your people. They're here this morning to say, I wanna worship Jesus. You've been so good to us already this morning, Lord, as you've led us through worshipful music and singing to you. And now as we've studied your word together, God, will you help us to be willing to be humble and honest enough with you to say, God, what makes my heart anxious? And I'm not gonna go run and take it to every other person. I'm gonna take it to you. And then Lord, as you guide and direct me, as you lead me to the people who will help me walk down this path, Lord, will you give me the peace that passes understanding because of your presence with me? Jesus will love you and praise you for it. We ask these things in your precious name, amen.